Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ad Week Presents, where each week you hear from some of the most recognizable names in music, television, sports, and film to learn about their unique approach to marketing that have made them icons in the industry. My name is Al Manorino, and I am the senior producer of the Ad Week Podcast Network. Okay, on this week's episode, we travel back to Challenger Brands 2021, where Adweek's former editor-in-chief, Stephanie Patrick, sat down with the co-founders of Once Upon a Farm, which was launched in 2017 with the purpose of providing fresh, nutritious, and delicious organic food that parents can trust and kids could love. Stephanie is joined by the company's chief brand officer and chief executive officer as they share their story of growing the farm to fridge company from once upon a farm's early beginnings to how it became a kitchen crafted juggernaut. So grab a healthy snack and tune in as Adweek presents Jennifer Garner and John Foraker, the co-founders of Once Upon a Farm. Jennifer, thank you so much for being with us today. Hi. How are you? How are you, Stephanie? Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to have you here. And I'm going to bring your partner in crime onto the stage as well. Um, John Foraker, he is your co-founder and CEO at Once Upon a Farm, the kid food brand. And he is a superstar in his own right. Um, he is uh, best known, perhaps, for leading a little food brand called Annie's. Um, to huge heights and shepherding the sale of that brand to uh, General Mills. He stayed on and ran it for three years after before uh, joining you at Once Upon a Farm. John, thank you for being with us. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. I have to mention, John, you have four kids and Jen, you have three. So I have so many questions, but before we go there, how are you both maintaining your sanity a year into the pandemic as working parents with quite a lot on your plates? Well, you well, didn't even go to I, Zoom. 
Yeah, I had one on my lap this morning who was just in despair over another day of Zoom school and could not be mollified. I didn't know what I was going to do. I finally just had to dump and say, okay, you know, we all have to deal. It's not perfect. We're just going for it. Exactly. Well, I appreciate you carving out time to be here. Um, so let's let's talk about how the brand came together. I mean, it, Jennifer, there's I'm sure you have been approached with many opportunities during your career. Um, there are so many uh, areas of business you could have gotten into. How did you choose this particular brand? Well, there were so many that I had been um, I had been looking for a while for a company to be a part of from the beginning because I enjoy the role of um, being a spokesperson or an ambassador for a company that I'm passionate about. But I started to realize that I, I wanted to be in just more conversations. I wanted to have a little bit more of a say, and I felt like one of those things was I feel like brands should be doing more to give back to their communities. And so I wanted to be part of something from the beginning so that I could participate in its growth and also um, and the design of it, but also really you know, be part of a brand, figuring out what its mission was and, you know, helping to shape it and, and be along for the ride. Um, so Once Upon a Farm was after many, many just conversations. This was a tiny little company that I saw that I really just I felt like, wow, I made my kids baby food. I know what a nightmare it is. I know that you have things in the freezer that you worked so hard to make. And then you're thinking, but how old is this? And is this still safe? And is this even still good for my kid? And now I've got to make something else, but I need to get to work and it makes a mess. Um, and this is a company that I would have used with three little kids for sure. And um, so I was super interested and on the angel board or what an angel investor, I guess you would say, I don't really know how all the terminology, but was John Foraker. Now, Annie's, obviously I knew Annie's. So I said, why is this guy working with this tiny little company? And that might inform, you know, my interest in the company. So I called John up and said, would you please come and sit with me and explain, or could I come to sit with you? And um, anyway, we had a conversation and here we are. Do you want to take the next part of it, John? Sure. So um, I had uh, spent a long time with a great team growing Annie's and we turned out in a pretty good sized business that drove a lot of um, positive social impact that we were proud of. And I was interested in something new to do and, um, Technology had come along, food tastes had changed, and there was an opportunity to really do something in the fresh space, which I thought was really interesting. And so I invested in this company first. Jen and I met. When we first met, we talked a tiny bit about baby food and kid food, but mostly about the challenges that um, kids have across the country in getting access to good food and good education and um, just all the things that many of us take for granted. And um, so we decided to come together and work on this project with Ariane Cassandra, who had started the company in late 2015, tiny little company based in San Diego. And um, we embarked on this journey a little over three years ago. It's been really fun. I, I actually remember the first time I saw Once Upon a Farm packets 
in the refrigerator aisle at the grocery store because I, I have a four-year-old and I have an eight-month-old. And my four-year-old was about a year old at the time. I had bought a food processor and could not muster the energy or time to actually make my own baby food. But I felt really guilty about giving him packets with a lot of preservatives. And I, I stopped and I had one of those moments where work and personal life collide. And I thought, A, this is genius. And B, I am completely the target demo <laughs> for this for this brand. And so, you, you know, there are a lot of I, there are a lot of competitors in the space now, but really it was something unusual at the time to see fresh, you know, baby food. And I know you guys have expanded into kid food. I wonder if, you know, John, can you talk about what is the challenge of of being a challenger in bringing something to market that is a little bit different than people are used to? Well, you know, it's always hard to, to challenge conventional wisdom and the way that things are being done and perceptions about categories and things like that. So we would go take that product and we would show it to the baby food buyer at a retailer and the retailer, they'd love it. They think it was the greatest thing ever. Then they'd say, well, wait a second, I don't have refrigeration in my baby aisle. And then we go show it to somebody over in the dairy set and they would say, this is really interesting, but baby food doesn't go over by yogurt. <laughs> so you have these challenges about the way the industry has developed over time and retail formats have developed that you have to you have to uh, figure out how to overcome. And that's really been one of the biggest challenges is where to put us in the store, how to talk about it. And we've um, really had a, a tremendous amount of success um, overcoming those obstacles and are pretty widely distributed now. We're in almost 10,000 doors in the United States um, with really strong position in most of the big major retailers that people know about. I love that. And and Jen, um, you know, you, you mentioned purpose and the fact that you wanted to help build a brand from the ground up so that you could infuse it with purpose. And we see so many newer brands and challenger brands who it, it's interesting, like they partner with a charity out of the gate. It's part of the business plan. Can you talk about what your purpose was with this brand and how, especially, you know, in the organic food space, it can become so quickly a luxury item. And how do you balance that, um, you know, that price point with uh, food needs out there? Well, from the very beginning, one of the first things that John, Cassandra, Ari, and I did was sit down and make a mission statement together. And like right out of the gate, we said, okay, let's just figure out some guardrails, what's important to us so that we're driving in that direction and so that we don't get veered too far off course. And one of those big things, I mean, it's taking care of the earth, taking care of each other, treating each other and and our customers with respect, authenticity. Um, but it's also making sure that this nutrition that, that we're providing and that we know is top level isn't just available for kids in, you know, in Connecticut or in Santa Monica, but that is available for kids in West Virginia where I grew up and even beyond where I grew up out in the middle of nowhere. And so that is a whole other level of thought. So for example, early on, John and I were at Expo West and I said, we were on stage together and I said, do you mind if I announce our goal? And he kind of looked at me like, 
are you really going to say this? And I said, our goal is to be WIC eligible in the next year. And it was kind of early for me to say it. And it definitely lit a fire. <laughs> but John is a man who understands a mission and is right there with me, if not even more so. And so because what was so important about that, we have not made a cent on WIC, believe me. But what was so important was that we kind of break down the barrier because so few states even allowed organic food, much less refrigerated organic baby food. And it's that organic, the organic industry is all about like the next best fanciest ingredient instead of being about pushing it down and out to everyone and to the masses so that everyone has access to that nutrition. So we're there, we're, we're there and we're, we're holding fast. And, um, but that is a huge part of, of just why we exist. Love that so much. And one way to make something happen is just to speak it, right? <laughs> and then figure it out later. Exactly. Um, I, something I love about the brand is that storytelling is is very much a part of its DNA. I mean, even the title is very whimsical, Once Upon a Farm. Um, I feel like you use, you know, sort of storybook uh, imagery in a lot of the branding. And and uh, some of the food is, is actually um, grown on your family farm, Jen. Can you tell us a little bit about how your family got roped into this? <laughs> yeah, I think they're wondering the same thing. Um, okay, so in a nutshell, this is all a big circle. My mom grew up in rural poverty on this little tiny farm in Oklahoma, tiny, it was dirt bowl depression, along with a bunch of brothers and sisters. Um, then I started working with Save the Children, and in the United States, Save works in rural poverty. I hunted them down. Growing up in West Virginia, having a mom who grew up in you know poverty in Oklahoma, who is helping poor kids in the United States in the middle of nowhere? Save the Children. So I've worked for them for almost 13 years. And... When once when I joined Once Upon a Farm, I, we were talking about little about farming practices, and I said, "Hang on a second, I have a family farm, and it's actually in my care. My uncle lives there; he's a plumber, forty years a plumber." And we said, "What if Uncle Robert became a biodynamic farmer?" And I called him up, and he's the coolest and the best. And he and my aunt Janet said, "Well, sure, we're fine with that." So they're out there at the age of seventy, whatever, just farming every single day they work their tail off we have you know somebody come in and um just help them know what what it means he said we're the only biodynamic farmers in in our in our parts nobody knows what in the heck we're doing or why but they are um they are growing some of our food we're a small supplier mind you but we are a supplier and it just there is nothing happier than being connected to my family farm in this way it makes my mom happy just getting to go there myself and plant and harvest and be on the tractor, it's just, there's something about it. I've been at that farm my entire life. And to see it with rows and rows growing for a real company, it's, it's wonderful. I love this career path for Uncle Robert. And we actually have a clip of you visiting the farm. If you don't mind, we'll, we'll, we'll play please. it Please, right oh, please, you'll see me my happiest on my tractor. Sweet potatoes, as you see right out here. 
and they grow deep in the ground, so you can't tell how big they're going to be, you can't tell how many you're producing until you start to pull them up. Those orange squiggles are the roots, and they're beautiful. And I got to take this here tractor and go down the road. The plow just dug into the earth and dug them on up, mostly. I'm in it for the tractor and the overalls. Who knew sweet potatoes looked like that? Oh, cool. So, um, so how, I mean, how often do you get a chance to go out there and how do you uh, pull that into your storytelling? I get there several times a year. Sometimes it is like just a flyby. Sometimes I'll be in Bentonville for a meeting at Walmart and the farm's a couple hours away. We'll drive there. We'll plant as fast as we can, have a meal with Uncle Robert, Aunt Janet and head back out. But I do manage to to make it there. And I, I, I actually even got to be there for my mom's 80th birthday with her little brother whom she just adores. And uh, as far as part, being part of the storytelling, well, there's just nothing like, I mean, that's what farming is. We forget how beautiful it is, what an incredible practice it is, and how it is still so many just mom and pops out there you know somebody who was a plumber for 40 years and said well i'll be good at irrigation and he is and and his whole heart and soul is out there in the soil he cares more about his role in feeding little kids and i just love i love bringing that to life john um i want to ask you about this idea of authenticity because i think it is a word that is very associated with jennifer and it's associated with a lot of the brands that you've been involved in and i wonder you know the the challenge with authenticity is that by definition you can't manufacture it so as a ceo how do you encourage it and how do you harness it as you are running this company well, it really stems from values and core principles and your authentic self. Like, you know, we've, um, the companies I've run and including this company, we really stand for things and it's not, we're not standing for them because we think they're popular. We're not standing for them because we think people will like us more. We're standing for us because we, them for, because we believe in them. And when you're doing that and take those kinds of positions, um, it's it's pretty obvious that it's real. And so I just encourage um, everyone to bring their real self to work every day and for us to engage with the partners um, that help us make our products and the customers that sell them um, in the same way. And we're not afraid to stand up and take a position on things that can be divisive. But when we do it, we're doing it and coming from a place of true belief and um and I think that's that's the core principle is just to be yourself and be your real self every day. Yeah. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70 percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. And John, too, I want to ask you about the the past year. Um, you know, it's been a, a challenging time for a lot of businesses. Um, some have fared better, better than others. How has Once Upon a Farm done during the pandemic? And what ways have you pivoted your strategy as a result of the times we're living in? Yeah, the, this last year, I particularly remember the February, March timeframe was the most challenging at any time in my long career. And it it was one of those situations where you just didn't know what was going to happen. A, you didn't know what was happening. And um, so there was a lot of fog that we had to kind of try to see through. And our business had been growing very, very rapidly up to the point where the pandemic happened. Um, and we didn't really know what the impact would be, but what we saw was a little bit of a slowdown, not really because consumers weren't demanding our products because we couldn't get them into the store. There was so much dislocation with labor and um, just grocery stores weren't operating the way that they normally were. So we already had a direct-to-consumer presence and it was a, it was a solid one. It wasn't the primary focus for us. We pivoted really hard to that. We started really um, learning what are the skills and capabilities that we need to be able to help um, work with our retail partners to enable their online presence and to and, and empower it. And our business has, has just completely regained its momentum and has ta- really taken off. I think, you know, consumers are really more and more um, attuned to health and wellness, especially against the backdrop of the pandemic. And the demand for our products has been really great, but we've had a big, big pivot toward digital. Um, and now a significant amount of the groceries that are bought in the United States come and start with a click, whether it's delivered to the consumer or more more recently, just curbside pickup. All those things have to be enabled with content and capabilities. And so that's been our big pivot and it's really worked well for us. And, you know, I've noticed just during the pandemic, probably as a mom, I am targeted with ads all day from kid brands. And I've noticed a lot of new kid food companies cropping up with subscription services, things like that. And and I, it strikes me that you find yourself in a position that all challengers find themselves in at some point, which is when you have a smart idea and it's successful, uh, the space will become crowded. So how do you, you know, do you have to adjust your mindset? Are you trying to constantly differentiate or are you just trying to do what you do better than the rest? Mm-hmm. Well, my, my, my position on this hasn't changed from the beginning um, at, when I was with Annie's. And um, if you're doing something really great, 
you're going to you're going to draw competition. And the key is just to continue to move your business forward and innovate, so that where where people are aiming at you, they're aiming for where you were, not where you're going to be by the time they get there. And ironically. I think the pandemic has made it a little less likely that we'll face big competition in the short term than before, because there's been such, it's been a challenging environment for challenger brands <laughs> um, to break through at retail. The big packaged food companies out there are really spending time focusing on the legacy brands that are really big, that are printing money for them right now. And so we think we have a little bit, um, a little bit more time actually until we see big competition, but it will come. And we're working on initiatives now that are, you know, on PowerPoints and that are in our workflows uh, for the next couple of years that will be really significant. And if somebody comes to copy this, they'll be copying where we were, not where we're going. And that's always the most important thing to bring value to consumers that they're willing to pay for and that retailers see you as an innovative partner. That way you're always a step ahead. I love that they're copying where you were, not where you are now or where you're going. Um, Jen, I ask you a bit um, about uh, marketing the brand and how you decided how much of your family to to put into the brand. Um, you know, so many celebrities and so many influencers who whose, you know, their brand is being a mom or being a parent, um, their kids are out there with them, right, building the brand in some sense. And you have been very vocal about keeping your kids off of your social media. And I think that you've really forged a new path for parents who are in business, that you can be out there as a mom without putting your kids out there. I wonder how did you make those decisions? Did you ever consider whether your, you know, your family should be on the package or not? Oh, of course. Yeah, I put a, a ton of thought into it. I just said to John the other day, my 15-year-old is our absolute biggest fan because our products are no sugar added. You can grab them. They're delicious. She has one between like several classes during on Zoom a day. She reaches for them. And I said, if I really wanted to do a commercial, I would put this kid out there. But, um, but yes, it is a very clear cut for me that I fought really hard for um, my kids' privacy. I I went to Sacramento. I made big speeches. I had groups of people here, um, the DA of California and all the all the big police officer unions and different law enforcement. And, and my daughter, when she was five, my eldest, stood up and gave a speech that she had written about what it was like to be a little kid and to be chased by big cameras and big men with cameras and to have no control. And your parents don't either. And you don't feel safe. And so um, it would be a little hypocritical of me to turn around and then use my kids in any way. And I, I the reason that I'm, I'm so passionate about their privacy is that twofold. One, the experience of being chased by paparazzi is obviously ridiculous and it, it, it kills any normal interaction. But that's a separate thing. It Kids deserve to just be awkward or throw a tantrum or um, or. I don't know, just be a kid. And, and that is not the same as what we do. So um, what we do is uh, is my experience. It's my experience as a mom. And I love when other people use their kids. I'm all for it. It's really fun. I just have chosen not to. And I kind of am just going to hang in there as cute as they are. <laughs> I, I remember the work that you did uh, in, in LA with the police. I mean, really kind of breaking barriers in terms of laws around paparazzi hounding kids. So um, the credit goes to you for that. Uh, you know, talking about social media, I have to say that your Instagram has become like must watch TV for me. 
particularly in the pandemic. And I, I feel like you are practically producing a daytime talk show off of your Instagram. You've got all the segments that you need. You've got the pretend cooking show where you are, you know, um, pretending, but actually making food in your kitchen, sometimes in your flannel nightgown. And you are interviewing um, important people, Dr. Fauci, Jill Biden, uh, Kamala Harris. Um, and, and you're also, you know, giving tips about meditation and doing your own hair from home. And I really found it enjoyable. And I just would love to hear more about your approach to social media and how you have arrived at this place that feels like really just wonderful creativity. Thank you so much. That really, it is such a personal thing. That really means a lot to me. Thank you. Um, I came into the world of social media kicking and screaming, um, and I did it for Once Upon a Farm. It was so important to me to participate and to be part of this company from the very beginning. And, and one of the deal parts was you have to be on Instagram and Facebook and you have to be active. And so... Um, I said, in order for me to do that, I can't, you know, everyone came, you, you hired this company to do this part of it, you hired this company to do this part of it, and best practices are you post at least twice a day, this is what I was told, and you do story every day. And I said, I, I, was, in, I was in despair. I said, I can't do it. That is so not me, and I, I just can't live my life for this medium. I'm... And so um, I said, I will do it, but I've got to do it my way. And I asked um, my, my assistant of many years who had been a film, you know, she went to film school at Northwestern. And I said to her, guess what? Do you mind having a new job? And so Mo and I have done this together ever since. And it's really just the two of us doodling away and coming up with thoughts and ideas. And um, we we don't post every day. We certainly don't. Sometimes we'll go a week and say, whoops, we just missed that week. But um, what we do, we just try to have a good time and make ourselves laugh. We try to, you know, we try to be something that a mom could show her kid and not feel, you know, worried about. You know, I try to keep stuff like that off. Um, and if I don't, then I warn people. And I, I don't know, we just have a good time. <laughs> I love that it's just two of you because I, I seriously thought you had a larger media team helping you pull it together. Is there, and I know sometimes you're rather irreverent and you'll say, I'm, I'm posting something my PR folks did not approve. Yes. Because there is this sense that you are really the woman behind it. Is there anything that you as a rule don't post? Or is there anything that kind of, you do a gut check on and pause and, and decide not to put out there? Definitely. And definitely at the beginning of the pandemic, other than about Save With Stories, I didn't post for a month. And it really took me out of people's algorithms. We lost a ton of people. Um, you know, during all of Black Lives Matter, I was very vocal. I lost hundreds of thousands of followers. And you just, you cannot live for your follower count. You can't live for, for all of that. You kind of have to say, well, if I'm going to do this, what's the point of it? If I'm not actually putting something that's true of myself out there. I try not to show my home. I try not to be um, out of sync with where, you know, what I would feel comfortable seeing. You know, it's not a place to be like, look how, look me try to be my fanciest. That just doesn't feel, I don't know, it doesn't feel right. And something you did this year on social was in partnership with Save the Children. 
Um, and it was a, a fundraiser where you recruited celebrities to read books, uh, I think on YouTube, or reading books online for kids who are at home and bored. And you raised money for this cause. Uh, can you can you tell me a bit about you know what the next frontier is for the work that you're doing with that charity and, and what you're hoping to accomplish? Well, in a nutshell, Save the Children um, really focuses on early literacy and early numeracy and social emotional health and growth for kids in rural America growing up in poverty from birth into third grade. And a huge component of that is home visiting. Well, we know that most people in rural America do have access to a smartphone, but they often don't have broadband. As a matter of fact, a 35, 40% of people in rural America don't have broadband. So we knew that there was immediately a crisis for education, A, and B, we knew I had been in, in Kentucky the week before the shutdown and in Sacramento with Governor Newsom the week of the shutdown talking about what are you guys going to do for all the food. We knew that 30 million kids were going to go without food that they depended on at schools. So um, my friend Amy Adams came to me and said, I know you work in this space. Let's try to feed kids. And she had the basic idea, but I kind of had the let's get it done. And I know the people to help actually make it happen. So again, Mo and I did it basically sitting in our office, just pounding away and just driving publishers and actors and publicists and people crazy. And um, we did Save the Children went from really being an, just about education to also feeding kids. We worked with No Kid Hungry and we've fed 10 million meals since the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and it started with Save with Stories, which is on Instagram and Facebook. I appreciate that you were sort of immediately thinking about how the pandemic might disproportionately affect people, because I know we say we're all in it together, but it is affecting us on different levels. Um, and uh, I, I applaud the work that you've done to help on that front. So last question for you both. We're almost out of time. I could ask a million more. But speaking of the pandemic, it has been such a year of change, both in the way we do business and the way we live our lives. John, I'll start with you. What change have you made during the pandemic, either in business or personally, that you're really hoping to carry with you once we get through this thing? So for me personally, the, the, the challenges that we face in this country um, with the, the George Floyd situation and just the, the a raising awareness of systemic racism has been so big, but that's compounded by the pandemic and seeing the disproportionate impact that communities of color have faced from the pandemic. So I'm in a, in, my, in our business, we already are doing things to really um, help drive um, uh, black owned business and entrepreneurship. And, and so I'm, I will be spending a lot of time in my future continuing to do that and to try to make an impact in that space to, to uh, get better outcomes for those communities. And Jen, what change have you made that you hope to bring with you? Well, um, I guess one of the exciting things that's happened does have to do with Save the Children, which is that Once Upon a Farm is now officially partnering with Save the Children. And we're looking at what our next, you know, what what we'll be able to do next year to help feed more kids really healthy food. And we have exciting things coming up there, but I will this time hold off and not announce before I'm supposed to. Um, and then personally, I mean, I was on a plane every week the year before the pandemic. And I think so many people, we, we've had this experience. Um, 
And it was nice to sit still. It was nice to be forced to sit still. And a lot of those trips were for Once Upon a Farm. A lot of those trips were for Save the Children. Those are the ones that it'll be easier for, you know, I'll be really excited to get back to because you can't tell the story without going and seeing, meeting the people and telling their story. But um, I will get on the plane a little bit less and I will have lazier mornings a little more often. I love that. It really has forced us all to slow down. And uh, I, I hope to take that with me as well. Jennifer Garner and John Foraker, thank you so much for spending this time with us today. It means so much to me. And I know it means a lot to our audience as well. Thank you, thank you Stephanie. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Adweek Presents, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by me, Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Ahrens and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGibbony at Boutwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay up to date on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.